Kia and welcome to the Gnosis Hour with your two hosts and myself, Philly C. And, and Lady Light. Very nice to see you all, hear you all. Yes, welcome. <laughs> here, here, my darling, Philly C. We're in two different worlds right now. Um, I'm in the North Island and he's in the South Island. So this is an experiment. Yeah, this is hopefully one will work. <laughs> experimental. Um, yeah. Zoom call recording. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. Um, yeah. So this week, what we wanted to talk about was this topic of nature spirits, also called elementals. Um, it's an aspect of consciousness or ourselves or the world that we can connect to. And it seems to me that um, in all kinds of different cultures, that these are being reported as different things, fairies, uh, dragons, gnomes, or like literally like a fire elemental or a wind elemental, or and actually lots of different varied things that I haven't even listed. Um, so I think that there's something in this and um, a lot of people have personal accounts of having connected to these. So we thought it might be um, an interesting topic to delve into. Um, yeah. What, what are your personal experiences in this regard? I know you had a dream about um, a certain water body of water that relates to this. Do you want to share something about that? What was that dream? You had a dream about this um this fairy lake and um with purple um bushes it's on an aisle and in in uh it's on one of the british isles no well yeah i i've had a lot of dreams i mean one one dream i had um many dreams i've had about avalon i wonder if that's one of the dreams um with mm -hmm. the, with the lake um you know, that the famed lady of the lake resided in. Mm. And I've, I've had a lot of encounters. I think I was drawn to live in England because of dreams and memories of Avalon and memories of a time when, um, when the fairy beings were much more visible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, I mean, all my life, they've been fairly, fairly, um, I think I've, I've, I've had more sensorial experiences of them, but also visible experiences of them. And I'm trying to think of a, a, a really good story to tell. I mean, one good story is I was working um, with Peter Aziz, who's a West Country shaman who works with the dragon beings and the fairy beings. And he told me that uh, Chagford in London, in England, was the portal for the fairy kingdom. So I went down there with my late husband and it, it is like entering a fairy kingdom. Also, all the fairy artists live there, like Brian Stroud and um, Alan Lee, the great artist um, for uh, Lord of the Rings and people like that. And um, yeah, I, I had an amazing experience of Pan. It, it, how, do I, how do I put this? I, I decided I wanted to live there, just strangely. And I went to a, I was with my husband, my poor husband is kind of like kindly walking around with me as I talk about fairies to strangers and really putting up with all this. And we went in to go see this estate agent and he came from Milton Keynes and he said, look, I'd never believed in fairies until I came here. Um, if you want to live here, the fairies, if they want you here, you will find the money. So, and he said, and by the way, everybody gets pregnant because the fairies like babies. So I went for a walk by myself and I immediately started to connect with Pan 
um, and I had a visual of him and he kept taking me down one corner and then another and then another and then another and as I turned into this tiny little muse simultaneously two people came out of this house and they said it's for sale and it was sort of perfect in every way it was absolutely beautiful it had a big studio it was right on the moors and I thought, well, this is crazy. I don't know how I'm gonna do this. My husband's in London. Um, would I live down here with me and my daughter? But I um, went back to London and I went to the bank to, and I had no, you know, hardly any income being, being an artist working on spec. And uh, the bank manager agreed to give me the full amount. So that's just kind of one of many fairy stories, many elemental stories. But also in um, training, training with the Ascended Masters, we, we learn a lot about the elemental kingdom and how they really have signed up to work with us, to be our conduit between humans and Mother Earth. Uh, the angelic kingdom brings in the, the blueprint, the sacred geometry. We, we are kind of the will, the motivation, the action, and then the elemental kingdom brings together uh, the electromagnetic energy around the atoms. And uh, we're so connected with them that in times of turmoil, they will act out. So evidently, and I don't know this for sure, it's just something I've learned, a lot of our earth changes have to do with the cleansing of things from humans. And mm. a lot of, a lot of um, dark magic that's been done by people in this life or another life um, creates contracts with elementals where they do not want to do anything mischievous, but they will, they, they will be harnessed to us and they will obey us. Mm. And they will, therefore, um, they need to be freed. So I do a lot of this activity with Astria, who's kind of like an Archangel Michael type being, and the sort of blue flame where you call on Astria and you go around the world freeing elementals from a kind of captivity with um, sometimes former black magicians, people who don't even remember they ever did that and now they're very much working for the light but mm. uh you know many many people have had uh you know there's no we've had many many experiences in many many realms in many different lifetimes so yeah do you have a couple of good stories yeah well um i think well i just wanted to say that it is there there's this strong link between the natural world um and the uh the elemental beings or the fey beings and i think people who are of a at a level of sensitivity there's a they they can feel the land or um that it has a living presence and they and also within that living presence it might have like a big kind of land presence like a an earth mother presence but then it also has lots of littler presences and i feel like those are more these elemental beings so that even the average person um, is sensitive enough to when you're in a city, they're like, Oh, this feels a certain way with all these big concrete structures. And then when you're in the, in the woods, it feels a certain way. And there might be yeah, a certain playfulness or a, a peacefulness. And so I feel it's very much tied into how we're um, curating our spaces and how we're letting um, natural laws play out or are we implementing quite sort of synthetic laws on top of that yeah and like you're saying that the, the beings aren't they're not evil or or wayward but they will respond appropriately depending on how we have acted um what we have made them do basically because they're on that yeah like i, I had 
these kind of connections when I was doing um, some medicines, I had these realizations that there exists the whole, this whole layer of reality filled with, for me, they were kind of like gnomes. And I know um, the Joe Rogan guys talks about machine gnomes where like there's a whole, there's a layer of reality, which well, these elemental beings are there. And I got very much got the sense that they said to me, we are bound to do what you tell us to do. Is that what, is what they said? And I was like, wow, that's, that's good to know. But then it got really got me thinking that they will do whatever they, we tell them to do. And if we're telling them to do things against their own nature, it's, it creates conflict. And yeah, that we have, we don't have a very good awareness on the whole of, um, of how this all works. Um, yeah. And I just also wanted to say that in New Zealand where we're talking from, we've got a, a tradition with the, um, indigenous well the, the relatively indigenous people the maori people who came here from pacifica um just under a thousand years ago and um or, or so or so we're told history can be a bit of a a rubbery thing but they have a, a long connection of of people that they call the patsupaida here who were a different tribe they said they were a pale tribe and that they had very varied appearances some were small, like little fairies, gnomes. Some were giants. Some had red hair. Some had pale skin. And the Maori legend tells of how the Patupaida here actually bred and and intermingled with the Maori people. And then those bloodlines come through today. That there's evidence of these peoples actually came through into the physical plane. So. I think it's 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 a very interesting topic because it seems like the human the human species or yeah or species plural we seem to be very intertwined with them and I, I get this really strong feeling that wherever we've come from we've we've connected and become a part of these beings so for me I come from the British Isles and I'm also a bit Maori so I feel like maybe I brought some of these beings, they still I've brought a connection with me and that all the other people from like England, Scotland, Ireland have kind of brought that similar connection to these similar beings with us. That's all in our lineage and our DNA. And um, yeah, some people seem to have it um, much stronger than others. Like they just, they just know they can, they can actually see the beings and some of us are more or less oblivious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Those um, the the beings that you're speaking about, they they've come through in the Maori lineage of the Children of the Mist, mm. and um, uh, and I think the tribe is called the the uh, Tuhoi, and I have a Tuhoi, couple of yeah. friends, Tuhoi, Tuhoi friends, and they are very magical magical people. Um, I my my experience of the elementals um, are. I mean, my my sense is that just like we have a higher self. Um, the elemental is the higher self of a plant so that they'll always be connected either to a plant or a forest or a lake, you know, like maybe the larger elementals and some elementals, um, you know, they, they're, they're like angels. They're like, um, you know, they're as big, big as a mountain. Um, and I, and I guess in a way, uh, it, we, having these names, angel and elemental, you know, you kind of wonder sometimes, and divas, you know, uh, the head of uh, of a 
let's say a, a plant group called a diva, like the Fintorn experiment, where they spoke directly to the divas and created um, plants growing on barren and hostile lands, that in a way, if we took away all those names and just thought of them as sort of like energy frequencies, and even our name as humans, um, you know, that we're just sort of different shapes of energy frequencies. And that makes it a lot more easy to understand how we could all be working together, how we're all just sort of inextricably intertwined. And um, I, I do think that, um, you know, that's why one of the reasons why we do need to go into the forest and into the land, because, you know, they're, they're part of our consciousness and being separated from them is, is, is really bad. And um, like taking ayahuasca, for example, which I did in the, in the Peruvian um, rainforest, uh, what I understood, because I went there not knowing what I was doing, I, I went there because I was highly called and I went to the Temple of the Way of Light and um, I had like very profound experiences I've shared with you already. Um, but what what the Ayahuascaras were doing was weaving, the, these are the shamans, um, you know, from very long lineages and they were like grandmother and grandfather shamans. The Ayahuascaras were singing the Icaros, they they were singing the plant allies, weaving them back into us. And like, um, it was it was an amazing experience. I and mean, we don't need to take ayahuasca to have that experience. It's just, we have become alienated from this extraordinary aspect of ourselves. And, and we, we ourselves um, have our own body elemental. You know, uh -huh. we have an elemental. And that elemental is um, halfway between the Holy Christ self, or let's say the higher self, however one look at it, the Buddha self, and the body. And uh, from my understanding, um, as intertwined as the emotions and the mind are, the mental body and the um, you know, emotional body, the body elemental is far more crucial to how our bodies manifest and how they run. And that it's very, very crucial. To, and we can be in arguments with them. Mm. We can literally be in arguments with them down the ages, and especially if we've abused our bodies and neglected them. So recently, I've been on a very big journey, and part of my 10-day retreat was to get back into connection with my body elemental and to get it. Uh, I call that part of um, myself, the higher, the higher self, which is between the beloved I am presence and, and the four lower vehicles. I call it the Holy Christ self because I understand that the first spark of the mother, father, God or the void was, was, was the Christ consciousness. And it has nothing to do with Christianity. So I like to reclaim that word. You know, so many of our words have been co-opted and taken away. You know, like ISIS has become a terrorist group instead of a goddess. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I think there's power in these words. So um, we can say Buddha consciousness, but actually Buddha consciousness is very sacred, but a little bit different. So I was working very hard on turning my body elemental back that way. And I felt like I succeeded because I started to have some very, very profound experiences. Um, and I think if you want to have long life, if you want to have long life and health in the body, I mean, it's very possible that we can live to 120 years now. Yeah, um, longer, know, I think. Well, 100, you, for you, you, you know, the sky's the limit. And I say for me, I'm going for 120, 130. Um, and, you know, the younger you are, the better. But at, at a certain point, it doesn't really matter because it's a matter yeah. of, you know, raising your consciousness so high that this matter becomes more light than matter because even the yeah. matter is condensed energy. So, but for to, to do that, it's really good to work with your body elemental. And it's interesting, I just read the book by David Sinclair, who's probably 
the world expert on longevity. He runs a, he's a top scientist and he runs a lab in Australia and one at Harvard. And he is so into nature. The book was a delight to read because he just kept going back into his growing up in the bush and all of this. And, you know, my friend Mike that I was talking about earlier, the co-founder of Metagenics and the chief scientist, and, you know, he's deeply connected to nature. And I think these scientists that are very connected to nature, you know, to the elemental kingdom, which is where science emerges from, you know, science is the, is the art and, um, and discipline of understanding our world, mm -hmm. you know, and our world is, is to begin with the natural world. And even as we move into AI um, and uh, let's say artificial intelligence, we are still mocking the living, the living thing. And, yeah. I, and for me, it's very, very important, um, you know, as all these agendas are exposed on earth um, to continually reclaim myself as a living person of the living soil. And mm. uh, I, I, my friend, my lovely friend, Sydney, who is of the Tuhoi, you know, said for him, the word Maori meant a natural person, a mm. person, you know, who is connected to the land. And I think this is the power of um, First Nation people and indigenous people uh, that those cultures that have gotten so intellectual that they can create acts of great harm and be so disconnected to their souls and their emotions uh, it's because they have disconnected from the elements. Yeah. And they, you know, their, um, their emotional bodies are not connected. They're not in alignment and therefore they're, they're, they've lost their empathy. So the more we can be in that elemental kingdom and have awareness and uh, later on towards the end of this, um, why don't we talk about a few ways that listeners can do that? I, I have a Absolutely. few things I can add. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I wanted to go back to what you were saying uh, five, 10 minutes ago, which was about how the, this elemental aspect. So there's, we've got different components, I guess, in if on the non-physical. So in the non-physical versions of us or dimensions of us, we've got different aspects. So it's not just like you just got this one spiritual body and then that's it. And then that's your, astral part and then you got your physical part that there would be different kinds and then one of them is this elemental body just like you're saying a plant's got an elemental then a person's got an elemental and i i feel this very strongly that this is this is truth that different people kind of have different strengths of connection with different aspects of ourselves that there is one part that is this very kind of holy transcended aspect that is kind of like this sort of very non not physical not here ethereal ascended transcended and it's like this kind of like this kind of thing like it's like an angel or something like so you see, you see some people embody that to an extent or they're connected to that to it to an extent and it's like it has certain qualities it is uh it's very light it's very um it's about high spiritual concepts and all these kind of things, you know, you can almost see through the person, you know, they, they're inclined to silence and stuff, but then there'd be this other part, the elemental component. And then I recognize that very strongly when I see that in someone or when then I see that in myself and that's different because it's connected to this being and this body and has certain qualities as well that are different from that very transcended aspect. And those qualities are it's it's fun, 
it's playful yeah it has certain qualities that are, are like elementals or are like fey and fairies or stereotypically even it's playful and it wants fun and it wants it's very loving and it's almost it has a childlike quality and it's and it's grounded in a way into life and into nature and in that sense i think someone who embodies it strongly yeah they do have they got good life force they got a good energy and i'd say it's even an attractive energy because it's it's playful it's fun even perhaps sexual that someone who's very in that um elemental is is very merged and um and balanced with the elemental that those people are appealing because we we want that for ourselves you know we want to connect with it and and a lot of people are are disconnected from that elemental because we're on a kind of abstracted mental plane which is a, a good a good plane you know the plane of thought and concept is a good a good plane of existence but we need them all don't we we need everything if we're wholeness and if we're we're the totality of existence so yeah that's specifically what we're, we're talking about here is that elemental and um yeah i think one thing that's come up recently in my talks uh with with a friend rachel and also in staying with some other friends on their land which they called the tani Fars den so um big ups to grant and melissa yeah. um that they they're staying on some land and i so in new zealand we we refer to dragons uh, in the in the local tongue as tanifa so tanifa is a a big being and i i found this i'm 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 really connecting to dragons or these these land beings or river beings at the moment or ocean beings um something about the way i'm made up as i as i find it harder connect to connect to small things other people would be like would know all about the local spirits and stuff or they would just be over my head but then I could sit down and I could be like, I could look at a large landscape and be like, oh yeah, there's a, this is a dragon, you know, I can feel it. So there's this, this other aspect or level of the elementals being the Tanifa or the dragons and they might, their, their, their piece of land might be a whole river or a whole valley. And it's this big, vast um, energy that has different qualities again. Like, so it's, it's not like a little theory. It's a big, it's a big being. So it has a different role and it'd be more like a guardian or a protector. Mm. Um, yeah. I wonder if you have any stories to do with dragons, Stephanie. Well, I, I do. I do. I mean, um, I've, I've always felt that there was a dragon guiding me and I painted uh, that painting. Have I ever shown you the painting of the dragon? Mm, mm. Um, yeah, that one. Yeah. And um uh, my my daughter, um, she was very, very, very aware as a young child. Um, she was an incredible healer. She was um, an amazing woman. Once said she'd been a, a shaman on every every land on earth. Um, Katie, my daughter, Catherine, and um, I was very skyward in those days, and we often clashed mm. because she was very of the earth. And now that I'm more embodied. And more of the earth we get along really 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 well and yeah. i realized i was kind of in a slight spiritual bypass in those days you know wanting to lift up and out and now i'm like no this is where all the fun is i want to <laughs> you know, stay here and enjoy the fruits of our labors and um she used to have dreams where she would go to these crystal palaces and there'd be 
there'd be dragons, there'd be panthers, and she would write down the words that the dragons told her. And then we met this amazing shaman named Peter Azez, who is a West Country shaman in England, and I trained with him off and on a few times. Um, truly amazing uh, man who was trained by his grandmother, who was a Hungarian shaman, and also the kahunas in Hawaii and all over the place. And um, he could translate the words that Katie was given by the dragons. And the first, the first words she was given, and I don't remember what they were, he, he said that means welcome journeyer between the worlds. So she was able, and I think, um, you know, the dragons are between the worlds. So, mm. but, but evidently there was a time when they were visible on earth. And obviously some cultures like the Chinese, you know, really, really worship the dragons. So this dragon being that I had many kind of inner visions about, I, I realized was very real and was probably a guardian being like you're saying. And um, somebody I've known from either between lives or um, a much earlier life. But also I've had a lot of experiences of mer beings and um, I've had some pretty cool dreams where I've seen um, how mer beings make love. And, uh, you know, <laughs> that was very anatomically interesting. And, and just, um, just a very big consciousness of them all through my life. And one thing I loved about coming to New Zealand was a very big awareness of, of how strong the mer being um, presence is here. That we've got a lot of mer beings. We've got a lot of mer beings off Worcester Bay. Um, and one interesting thing, my father... A slight digression. I had a very cl a clairvoyant friend in London, Christina McCulloch, absolutely amazing. I mean, she did readings for the prime minister's wife. I mean, everybody, celebrities. She was so spot on that she'd have cynics in tears within three minutes telling them about their child. And she used to speak to dead people as a girl. I mean, she and she's totally nothing new age about her. She's like cleavage, red wine, and you know, just this force <laughs> of life. She's amazing, but she's the real deal. And um, when, after my dad died and she said, oh, your dad's here and he's flirting with me just like he used to in life. And, you know, she'd say all these things about my dad that were really, she couldn't really have known. And then she said, he wants me to tell you that everything you told him was real. Everything he thought that I'd made up or I was in a fantasy land. And that after he died in the dream time, I took him to see the mer beings. And I thought that was so cool. Um, I don't have any memory of that, but you know, that came through her. So yeah, it's just kind of acknowledge, and I think it's part of like, if people, we've obviously lost the ability, uh, many people have had their second sight atrophy. Mm. I mean, children, children don't, uh, their yeah. default, their, the default mode network, which is what the, 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 we call the ego is just this part of your brain called the default mode network, which makes sure you brush your teeth and pay your bills, etc. It's not a demon at all. There's nothing wrong with the ego, except for we put it in the passenger seat. Sorry, we put it in the driver's seat and it needs to be in the passenger seat. And children do not have a default net mode network online and neither do animals ever. You start to go online with that around the age of two. And I think there's something about that being offline that allows them to see elemental beings a lot. Because if you're around children, especially under two, they're often having long conversations with somebody you can't see. You know, cats are staring avidly or jumping away from something you can't see. And, um, you know, I, I think that it's partly the culture, because I remember um, I saw a lot when I was little, and my mother told me, grow up, don't, don't talk to imaginary beings. 
And I had to send them away and I was in floods of tears and they kept coming back and I was like, you can't be here. I never believed they weren't real. I just thought they had to go. Mm -hmm. um, but gra gradually, you know, as you deny them more and more, the, the ability atrophies and then you think, did that really happen? Oh, mm -hmm. well, you know, uh, that, that's not, that's a ridiculous thing to think. But it alienates us more from the natural world and also uh, not only longevity, but abundance. It's very important to be, you know, if you want to become a conscious creator and consciously manifest, it's very important to be in um, good harmony with the elemental kingdom because the elemental kingdom is literally the aspect of creation of, of you know, our create our natural world, however you want to look at it, um, the, the world that we live in that manifests. So it doesn't, it doesn't come, you know, boom out of, out of the ethers. It comes from the hard work of the elemental kingdom helping to bring together the forces, the elements that will be your manifestation along with your higher self and um, the angelic kingdom holding the, the sacred geometry. And um, I, I find it kind of frustrating that people, you know, still, the, 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 intel, the domination of, of the intellect and the engorgement of the mental body on our earth is what I believe is causing, you know, all our problems. I mean, like you say, it's a thought and concept and ideation is a brilliant place to be. It's, it's a, like the magic carpet of endlessness. You can go to any time or place, but if it's not grounded in the body, the danger is you, you lose connection with your heart and your emotions. And, you know, also you, you have to manifest in very crude ways. Mm. So everybody's like all excited about technology and AI. And I remember a time when we didn't need it. You know, so it's sort of like as we get better and better at all the technology, what we're losing is developing the technology of mind. Mm. So, you know, and, and to me, we become less natural people, less living beings on the living soil. And that's given this bad rap as like, um, you know, primitive, when in fact, it's very advanced, very, very, very advanced. Like the Aboriginal dream time is so advanced. They go to any place, any time they can heal anything. Um, I don't know how much has been taken away, but, you know, the, the true stories of the elders are they could literally, you know, move from place to place. They could bilocate all on this earth plane. And uh, because of this terrible intellectual engorgement that things of the land are primitive and that we must make technology to, to be that, that thing in between us and the manifestation, I feel we're, we're really losing a lot. And it's kind of up to people like you and me um, to to hold the place for that, you know, mm. and develop it in ourselves as well to such a high level that we can just say, you know, boom, um, we're we're doing this, and we don't need all this interface. Yeah, um, you know, that's the original like technology. Yeah, and like you're, you, you should probably talk a little bit about the qigong because oh, yeah. manifestation is based on building energy, and that's one of the most powerful yeah. ways. To do it. Yeah. So uh, I've been doing a. A qigong i'm a big fan of qigong and it's something i'm pursuing in this life but uh um i was spontaneously drawn to do one particular qigong um which interestingly i had another friend who spontaneously had the same idea so and it is a qigong of um connecting to the natural world um so in our in our country the indigenous maori people have a creation story which you hear actually in a lot of different places in the world. And in our creation story, we have a sky father called Rangitane, who 
joined together with uh, the Earth Mother, who we call Papa Tuanuku. Um, so that's as the Gaia Pachamama type um, being. And so we have the story of they joined together and they birthed these beings who were the first people, I guess, who were mighty heroes who lived for a long time, who pulled up entire islands out of the sea and stuff like that, you know, who slowed the sun down so that we could have a, you know, an, a day length where we could actually get something done. But, you know, that's besides the point. The point is that there is two beings, the sky father and the earth mother. And through them is a, is a kind of a creation, which is a, a joining to, to create something new. So, so I had spontaneously the idea to do a Qigong where I was, I was connecting down and then through my feet, through my, through my pelvis, through my hands and like, like touching the dirt, touching the earth. And I was grounding way down and using my, my imagination and my sense of feeling to go way down to Papa Tuanuku, use that as a mantra. Then I come up to the middle line, the middle of my actual structure, come up to the heart, breathe it in there for a bit. And then I'd do the upwards, which would be stretching my whole body out, connecting up through my palms, through my hands, out this crown chakra, 10th gate, whatever people call it, going up, 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 up through there to the sky father aspect getting a sense of that, then coming back down to the middle of my physical structure, back into the heart, breathing there, expanding there, then going back down again, and so on and so forth. So I'm doing this Qigong, and I have to say that really I was surprised at how powerful it was. And I think that these, these creation stories and these ancient traditions, they're not to be balked at, and they're not to be taken as a pleasant kind of story. They'll be taken literally and they're to be taken about pieces not outside of ourselves, but pieces inside of ourselves as well. And that um, potentially connecting to these things is something that um, is going to really, um, really be helpful for us because we're in such a disconnected state um, from, yeah, from, from the land and from, um, yeah, the, these living aspects. So that, that was my Qigong story. And um, so... So you're saying, Stephanie, that this is to do with how much energy we got, especially manifestation. And I agree with that as well. Um, and I think that, um, yeah, that's a potentially a big leakage is um, yeah. the disconnection from the body, disconnection from the heart, disconnection from the land, um, which just happened as a matter of course, because we, we inherited a kind of very sick um, a very sick culture or, or socialization, which is not to really throw blame anywhere. It's just what we were given. So I think it's very, it's very important to let that be known that we can have a very high level of connection. And that if we look to um, the indigenous and the first nations, we look to them as guides, masters, teachers, that, you know, a whole, a whole thing has played out in recent history a whole thing's played out whereby certain cultures were compelled to go and pillage and, and do a lot of destruction. And they were perhaps, you know, coerced by certain beings. I don't want to go too much into the demonology of the whole thing, but this was a battle playing out on a subtle planes, but, but something was lost and something very necessary. And it's, it's quite obvious if we look into the reality right now, it's quite obvious that destructive ways of living are, 
are in play, disconnected ways of living are in play. If we were very connected to all these nature beings, we would be like, okay, I'm definitely going to get the bamboo toothbrush. I'm going to go zero plastics. I'm going to go all kinds of things because we'd be like, we'd, we'd know in our hearts, you know, I, I don't want to harm these beings. They're my friends. But somehow that the whole, that connection was lost. And then actual, there was a, a kind of a persecution which took place to hunt down to people who had the best and the mightiest connection with the land that they, that I think that some of these um, nations were on the level of, they were connecting to the Gaia as a whole. So I can imagine that would only be awesome and terrifying to connect to an entire globe of a living being that's on a, on a whole, on all these dimensions, that's got a big core of magma and everything that must've been, there must be quite a, prom- a profound experience, you know, beyond just connecting to my local river or something. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, I think it all, it all comes down to um, energy and how, how we connect to energy and how we respect energy. Um, I know from um, the ascended masters um, who for our listeners are just people like us who have completed the curriculum on earth and and have um, raised their consciousness to the level that it's very hard to hold on to a third dimensional body. Mm. So they, um, you know, they're ninth, ninth dimensional and 12th dimensional beings. And they have basically sacrificed their evolution to be our older brothers and sisters and help us. And um, a lot of us, any one of us can work directly with them. It's just that when you commit to working directly with them, you, if you want to keep working directly with them, you have to make a lot of choices like the ones you were talking about right now for the elemental beings. Uh, you know, there are different ones for the ascended masters. Like you, you can't be super into drug culture, you know, and like uh, alcohol or something like that and expect to keep your connection with the ascended masters really strong. Mm. Um, you know, but I, I'm not going to make any generalizations. Uh, my experience is, um, the pure I keep my diet and my my living, the stronger my connection is, um, and also just the better I feel. But uh, one one of their teachings, which I find really 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 beautiful, and this is from the Bridge of Freedom Library, um, is that every everything is alive, um, and part of the arrogance of humanity. Uh, not only have we decided that animals are lower consciousness plants or lower consciousness, we're, we're beings, um, you know, humans that can connect and communicate with um, animals and plants, uh, get a very different experience. And if you take ayahuasca and meet grandmother Aya, you know, the genius deity of the plant kingdom, you will be very humbled. And plants have genius, plants have enormous intelligence, and they are much older than we are. We are the younger brother. We are the, we are the little kids on the block. And um, so according to the Maha Chohan, which is um, the being sometimes called in some religions, the Holy Spirit, it's sort of like an intermediary between, um, you know, the all that is or the source, the endless source of energy and us. Every, every single thing is alive. And, and, the, and the Indian shamans say this too, like Grandfather Blackout, who I met at, at that global gathering in Iowa, he said, every single thing is alive. So right down to the electrons, um, the protons and the quarks in, in each one of your, how many million atoms? Like um, we have 55 trillion cells, or is that atoms? But anyway, there are a whole load of them. Um, they are all evolving into their own mastery as well. 
So they have consciousness, they communicate with us. Um, they, they are continually communicating with each other. They're emitting energy that carries information and they're receiving energy that carries information. So it's very, very important to be aware that you're kind of the, a captain of, um, I, I think it's 55 trillion cells. And then I don't know how many atoms, like 300 billion or something in our bodies, um, that, that we can communicate with them continually. We can reassure them or we can fill them with fear when we're, we're, we're you know, having suicidal thoughts or full of doubt or whatever. And, um, you know, one thing that I was, I was also told and I learned was that when we, when we waste things um, and when we, when we cloak our electrons and our atoms and our cells with discord, we're, we're literally like putting a heavy cloak on these little beings. And just like the elemental kingdom, they have no choice but to go along with what we're doing. Mm. Um, and evidently, I, I know that we'd have to think of ways to deal with the pollution and the smoke, but first of all, we shouldn't waste anything. If we ever get to a point where we're very evolved as a culture, we will not be having enough food to feed two worlds going to rot every year and um, enough rubbish to, you know, burn for 15 million years going every year. We would have almost zero waste. And then the waste we had, we would burn because then we send the electrons back to the sun. Mm. And that, you know, so, but now we're just like, and I, after I saw that, I was like, every time I don't recycle something, I'm like, really sorry. You know, you just start to get so hyper-conscious of absolutely everything being alive. And if you, you know, that like these walls here, these electrons have given up their freedom in, in you know, the realms of, of light to be this wall for me. Mm. You know, and it's like having more respect for, for everything around that's cooperating for you, for you to have a home. They don't need a home. They're already, you know, God-free beings. Um, they're actually assisting us. And, you know, just to, and like when you clean, um, there's a really great book I've been talking about a little bit called um, The Meaning of Cleaning, um, where a woman discovered the whole elemental kingdom through conscious cleaning. That like, she learned that if she cleaned really carefully and with love and respect and smoothness, that even the least conscious person would come home and say, what have you done? This is like, have you changed the furniture? It is so <laughs> different here. They would find their luck changes and that more, their, you know, more money was coming in because all the elementals were really happy. Mm. And if you clean really badly and really jerkily and use really harsh chemicals and things like that, you're going to have the opposite effect. So, uh, you know, it's, it's like, how conscious do we have to become? Well, endlessly consciousness, endless, mm. endless conscious. I mean, most of us are, are very unconscious and even those that are very awakened uh, we we still have so much further to go to be in honor and respect for every single thing around us and working in cooperation and harmony and then when we do that we cannot fail to be abundant because then we're in natural law and if you look at nature what does nature do no matter what happens to it it will regrow lushly and abundantly and that's what we're denying ourselves by being outside of natural law yeah is that is so true that um it's unnatural for us to be existing in such scarcity and it's always really struck me just how how hard everyone is working to produce so little because 
yeah like it's so wasteful like you're saying like all, all this time all this energy all these resources are are being just sent to places to to be trash and it is kind of disgusting but yeah that that's a very very good thing you've you've brought up that we've got a method to um to reconnect and and it's just very simply to start living with uh, a level of awareness and a level of respect that everything all of our everything we interact with is is a part of life and it's living so this laptop i'm recording on to to treat it with respect with love to keep it clean and this carpet i'm sitting on also and and just everything i touch and yeah i mean uh, i've definitely been there on the level of what i'm consuming i think that a lot of people on a on a journey of consciousness we we at least get to that part where we're like okay i got to be really aware of what i'm putting in my body because in that that makes my body on a physical level on an energetical level on an emotional level and um those those foods and things are what makes up my being and how i feel and how i live and um but yeah like but there are also techniques for that to put the intention into the food to put the love into the food and the drinks or the water or whatever it is i think water especially is quite a receptive material and that's a technology that we've we've lost from from our you know ancient cultures that and te- uh, civilizations knew all about this and we're using water very well um but now we're, we're using it quite um in quite as a mundane way but um that that comes back to the elementals and um yeah there i've got a friend melissa doing songs to the water she's singing songs to the water every single morning and as part of this ritual it's a blessing it's a healing and a, and a realignment of those molecules electrons at, to, to turn the water into this really sacred form and then as part of that ritual they go back to the river and then they pour the water back in and and this is not just like wishful thinking it's like you they've programmed the water to use a simplistic computer term and then you put that water back in the river and that water says to all the other water hey i've got this program i'm holy water now and then all the other water goes oh, okay and it's it's very um that's the nature of water it's receptive so these are the kind of technologies i expect or i'd hope that we can really pick back up on and start to use especially when people get quite um pessimistic fearful dismissive about the future of our world the future of our environmental conditions it's really not taking to account into account the level of quantum technology kind of available to us for healing for correction for um realigning things um so i think that is as we're coming up about 45 minutes any last things you want to say miss lightsmith yeah sure i wanted to say um I want to remind everybody about Professor Emoto, who who actually photographed the crystals in the water, uh, the molecules before and after. So look up Professor Emoto, any of you who want to actually get a visual on that, that the the water crystals actually changed entirely. And he he did other experiments where he just simply taped the word hate to a glass of water and take the word love and then look at the crystals, the molecule crystals, and they look completely different. Mm. The water molecules in the hate glass look like little vomits and the 
the one in the love glass turned into these exquisite sun, um, you know, snowflakes. And when you think that we're 70% water at least, um, when we're hating on somebody because energy travels at the speed of light, um, if mm. not faster, we are imprinting another human being's water crystals. So we have to, you know, the, these things think, thankfully can now be measured. And there were, there were two scientists who took up his work after he died and they've done, they've done work um, photographing all sorts of things to see this. So I, I think just, um, I just wanted to talk a little bit like very briefly about, um, you know, taking a pen and paper and going and connecting with the plant really deeply and then communicating with the plant. And I did that for a while with roses and flowers and all sorts of plants and it got amazing messages. And um, I, I came to realize this must be how the first people got the understanding of what the medicines of the plant were. Mm. And for anybody who um, is a great fan of science and medicine, originally all of these remedies came from plants like aspirin originally was from the willow tree and, you know, everything was originally a natural molecule that was then remade in a lab. So, and, and, you know, we also have the natural medicines in between the, you know, the ones that are made in the labs. So um, someone at some point was able to communicate with the plant. If you think about it, they didn't just test a gazillion plants and say, oh, this one helps you when <laughs> you fall. They, yeah. they found that, and also sometimes they watched the animals. Like if a sheep would fall, they would eat a certain plant and that plant turned out to be the Arnica plant. And of course, Arnica is wonderful for any injury. So, um, you know, just to, just to start to connect in a way, it's very rewarding, um, you know, to just go out and choose a plant or a tree and, and take a pen and a paper and close your eyes and really try to communicate with. You might get a really big surprise and you will start to get a greater sense of well-being and definitely say hello to all the plants around your house. Um, you know, they're, they're guarding you. Um, I know, you know, I was gonna tell a story about my, my little grandson and it might be too long. It's just like how the elementals teased him a lot when he was first born. But you know, that I had to actually have a word with the elementals to please leave off him. But they were, he was actually tearing them up all the time, tearing the plants all the time. So then wow. he was tripping all the time. And I kind of made the connection. He's tearing up the plants and the elementals are tripping him. So I kind of taught him to be really nice to the plants and at the same time really appeal to the elementals to give him a break. He's only a little kid. But, also, <laughs> but when he was born, they, were, they welcomed him. And I think he probably does come from the elemental kingdom because humans can have lives in the elemental kingdoms. Um, they, they, everything bloomed. It was, it was August and um, everything in the garden bloomed. It was just crazy. And, and, you know, they do celebrate new life and, and babies and things like that. So, yeah, just leave everybody with that, um, with that thought of just taking what we've said. It might sound a little out there to you or maybe it's, it's mm. woken a little something in you that you might remember from a, another time or when you were a child and, and giving yourself a chance to have some conscious connection. Yeah. Thank you so much for your deep insights, uh, Lady Lights. And yeah, just to just an invitation to our listeners to connect with this with a with a bit of non judgment, with a bit of playfulness, and um, see what happens. 
big blessings big up, big up yourselves you know um you are magnificent and um all our love your way we'll see you yeah. in the next in the next podcast Peace. yeah lots of love from us bye for now bye bye bye